before I go, let me just uh, congratulate the men. We did a good job last Sunday. We appreciated uh, the ladies. And um, we're expecting a return match. And as the Bible says, the Bible talks about the later being greater than the former. So ours is the former. Yours is the greater. <laughs> Hallelujah. But anyway, we just want to thank God for all the men. We thank you for, you know, your contributions, your efforts, and the love that you uh, showed last Sunday. We just believe that God will replenish you. And because we did it for the sake of our homes, God will bless our homes. God will uphold us. God will uh, release an unusual grace upon our homes where we'll be able to do what God has called us to do. God bless you. All right. Yes, I will be speaking uh, primarily from uh, the book of 1 Corinthians 13. And I hope to be able to uh, do, uh, say little, some little things, make my observations known to you in uh, the next 40 minutes. I'm one of those rare people who is, uh, I would say, fortunate to have what the Bible says, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I have my friend here. He's my longest serving friend. We got to know ourselves. Very first day we stepped into elementary school, 47 years ago, and we're still growing strong, still growing together, and we have experienced all kinds of things. In fact, he's, uh, he's, he's, not, he's, he's more of a family member, more of my family, my brother, than my friend. Because he's not only my friend, he also married my sister. And I remembered when he was, you know, trying to tell me that he was interested in, I'm not looking at anyone, I'm not looking at anybody, I'm just focusing. And my, my thoughts were, oh, okay, so all those times you were hanging around, it was, you know, you had some external, you had some, you had some things you were, you know. So, but we have been, you know, we have been together. We have been friends for uh, a long time. So, so many landmarks, so many situations and circumstances have just been in lockstep. And I believe that that relationship is a God-given relationship. And when things started getting serious between my wife and myself, I told her something. I said, there are two people, apart from my family, there are two people you need to meet. If you meet these two people, every mystery about me will be resolved. If you know them, you hang on to them, you will no longer have any issue with me. If there's any issue, just go to them. They will figure me out. All right? And one of them is my brother. All right? And so many other things, so many great things have happened. We have been really, really, really together. And 
I remember that there was an interregnum between that relationship for about five months, and that was when I just abruptly left. And the reason was that I became a committed or devoted follower of Jesus, and I never, I didn't want to go back to the kind of lifestyle. All of a sudden, this same guy came to church and met me in church. Five months later, and he was like, oh, so this is what you have been enjoying that you didn't tell me. But what I'm trying to say is that I have a friend that is closer, than, that is closer to me than a brother. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that because as I was preparing for this message, I began to examine myself and look at myself. Because the relationship has been faced... You know, by all kinds of challenges, it has been faced with challenges. It has been, you know, faced with uh, 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 time and space that we are no longer, I mean, that we had to separate sometimes. He had to be somewhere. I had to be in another place. Time didn't permit us to be together, but things were still growing strong. And I had to ask myself when I was going through this message, I wanted to share. And I'm like, what is one thing, what is one thing, what is one thing that you could attribute to the longevity of this relationship. That's what I want to share with you this morning. What is one thing that you can attribute if one word will sum up the reason why your relationship has stood the test of time? What is one thing? And in my mind, it was nothing other than the love of God. And from scriptures, Paul describes the love of God. For every relationship that we are going to have, for every relationship that we are involved in, if those relationships are going to thrive, it must be predicated upon the love of God. The love of God is so strong that it transformed a, a, a bunch of unlearned men walking on the dusty road of Jerusalem to a global phenomenon. All right? They moved from Jerusalem and to Rome and to Corinth and to Ephesus. And there they were establishing what, is, what we call the Jesus movement. And this Jesus movement became solidified and grounded and expanded and grew. You know why? Because of the love of God. And for every one of us, for every one of us, if we are going to thrive, if we are going to increase, if we are going to move on in the things of God, if things are going to get better, if things are going to get sweeter and greater, guess what's going to happen? We have to be able to live, function, and give out to others the love of God. And Paul told us a bunch of what is, what, you know, what the love of God is. What is the love of God? Or, and what I call love is, right? God, Paul told us a bunch of things that were the love of God, what the love of God is. And that's what I want to pick. I want to pick about four or five things here, four or five words that Paul used to describe what the love of God is. But before that, I want to tell you, you know, I just want to give you uh, a brief, uh, 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 a brief background on that passage, First Corinthians thirteen. The church at Corinth 
was a church that was big on the gifts of the Spirit. Huge. The gifts of the Spirit was manifesting. I mean the gifts of prophecy, tongues and interpretation, miracles, faith, and all kinds of things were manifesting themselves in that church. But they were a church that was very competitive. I like what Pastor Shina was talking about this morning. Jostling for positions. They were jostling for titles. They were jostling to position themselves to be seen and to be expressed. And nobody cared. Nobody cared. They had all the gifts functioning, but nobody cared who was benefiting from those gifts. They had great things happening in the church, but nobody cared. And so Paul, being uh, uh, the father that he was, had to write to the church at Ephesus, wrote to the church at Ephesus, I'm sorry, church at Corinth, to help them understand how these things work. So from verse 12, verse 12, I'm sorry, chapter 12, the last chapter, in, the last verse in chapter 12. Look at what Paul said. Can you go back to verse 12, the last chapter? The last verse, I'm sorry. The last verse, I'm just jumping over verse. <laughs> All right, chapter 12. All right, look at what he said. Be eager, oh sorry, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. And I will show you a more excellent way. I will show you a more excellent way. In other words, in that chapter 12, he was talking about all the gifts of the Spirit. He was talking about everything, how those things function and how those things work. And he said it was given for the benefit of the church. It was given for everybody to profit with. But Paul is telling them this thing. He's saying that those things are good and they are great. But there is a more excellent way. There is a more excellent way. And so he starts from verse 1. Chapter 13 now from verse 1. He starts explaining what the excellent way is. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clinging silver. Two, if I have the gifts of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Verse three, if I give all possessions, or, or, if I give all I possess, to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gained nothing. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, Paul divided 1 Corinthians chapter 13 into uh, three, three, uh, three versions or three departments or compartments. And the first one is he told us what love is, which is what I'll be dealing with today. He told us what love is. The second one is that he told us what love is not. All right? And the third one is he told us what love does. So there is what love is, what love is not, and what love does. But because of time, I will just concentrate on, you know, what love is. So the first thing I want you to know in all this scripture that we have read now, the first thing I want you to know is that love is a more excellent way. 
Can you repeat it after me? That love, love is a more excellent way. Why is Paul saying that love is a more excellent way? Why is he saying that? Paul is saying that love is a more excellent way because love, everything that is not predicated upon love is a waste of time. Love is the engine that drives every human virtue. Without love, there's no human virtue that has major or any real significance. He said, if I speak in the tongues of angels, in other words, I, you know, I, I can speak like angels. I can sing like angels. He said, but if I have not love, then I am what? I'm just a clinging symbol. In other words, you know what symbol is? Anything, you, just, you know, something that's just making noise. In other words, it is not, it doesn't matter how deep my mysteries are. It doesn't matter how, how anointed my revelations are. Once it is not based or predicated upon the foundation of love, nobody cares what you do, like uh, uh, they say, until they know that you care. Nobody cares what you know, or nobody cares about what you know until they know that you care. If they know that you care, they will give you a listening ear. So he said, love is an excellent way. Why is love an excellent way? It's a more excellent way. Uh, yesterday we were, uh, uh, we were at a graduation party, and when we left, when we left, the whole of 285 was jam-packed. It was a mess. The traffic there was a mess. And my wife and I were talking. Do we have any other way that we can go? Because this way that we know is not working out. Do we have any other way? You know what we're doing? We're trying to figure out a more excellent way. A lot of us, our relationships are predicated upon all kinds of things, right? They are predicated upon us, you know, helping one another. Help is good. They are predicated upon us encouraging one another. Encouragement is good. They are predicated upon uh, you mentoring people. Mentoring is good. But if all of these good things are not based on the love of God, Paul tells us that it's not an excellent way. In other words, there are many good ways to make our relationships function. There are many good things that we can do for ourselves in this church for us to thrive and to be one and to, and to prosper and to flourish. But no matter how good those ways are, if love is absent, then they are inferior channels. So strengthening and growing in our relationships. That's what Paul means. When he says excellent, it means, you know, excellent means something that is better, that is higher. It's higher in ranking. It's higher in quality. And what Paul is saying here, if he says love is the more excellent way, what it is telling you is that it doesn't matter what the human virtue is. You know, you, I mean, you are a giver. You are a water. It does not matter what it is. Every other human virtue is inferior to love. Not that they are not good, but they are just not as quality as love is. Alright? Number two. My second observation. For me, verse 4. Let's go to verse 4. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. 
Look at what he said. The first thing he said, he said, love is what? Patient. So number one, love is the more excellent way. Number two, love is patient. What is patience? What is patience? Because my aim this morning is to help us to, to see love from a more practical, uh, applicable uh, 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 you know, way of looking at things. What is patience? Let me start with a story. Uh, one of the books that had influenced me most in my life, apart from the Bible, is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And in that book, he wrote a story about a man, uh, some guys in the you know, train, you know, they had a train coach you know, they, in New York. And those guys were riding on the train. And as they were riding that train, a man and his children just came into the train. And they, they just started going everywhere. Those kids were just haywire. They were just making noise, disturbing everybody's peace. You know, no, nobody could just, you know, really rest and concentrate because those kids were just, you know, a nuisance, so to say. And their dad just lay there not minding what was going on with them. He just lay back down there. He just laid his head, closed his eyes, and did not care one thing in the world. And so one guy who was concerned went and met the man and said, aren't you concerned that your children are just constituting a nuisance here? They are bothering everybody. And you know what the guy's reply was? The guy's reply was, they just lost their mother about an hour ago. I don't know how to handle it. And probably that's just their own way of handling it. And the man that came to ask the question, that came to talk to him, just suddenly saw things from a different perspective. Saw things from a different perspective. The Bible tells us that love is patient. What is patient? Patience is the ability to wait. Patience is consistency. To make it more practical in, our, in terms of our relationship, when we're talking about patience, why the Bible says it is uh, love is patient, right? Now, the first thing you have to know or you have to understand about patience, which works in this area of love, is that before you talk, listen. Take the time to listen. Have you met people that, you know, you, you, they don't allow you to talk? If you're that kind of person, you just need to start, you know, uh, 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 allowing the love of God, the power of patience to start working in you. Because that is, that is through, it is through that channel that you start making the love of God known to other people. Listen to people. Before you say anything, listen to people. Let them talk. As they are talking, you are taking your time. You are listening. You are looking at things from their own perspective. You are seeing things from their own way. Because when you allow people to speak, it will amaze you what you don't know about them. Another practical one about patience that I put down here. Before you act, take the time to think. Think before you act. When you think before you act, you are patient. You are taking the time to look at things to understand things, to see things from a different perspective. Before you think, I mean, before you act, think. Another thing about patience, 
before you judge, before you make your final judgment, before you get to, uh, before you get to the, your, your, your conclusions, before you make your conclusions, understand. Take the time to understand before you come to conclusions. I'm telling you practical steps to working in patience when it comes to relationships. All right? And finally, this is a big one for me. You can add any other thing, but this is a big one for me. This is what I like so much. Before you quit, try. Many of us don't try enough. We don't try to understand things from people. We quit on them. We don't try. You see, we're so, we're so used to uh, uh, the general, you know, uh, 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 what's the word again? We're so stereotypes, so to say. We're so used to the general stereotypes. Uh, stereotypes like, you know, short people are difficult to deal with. You know? Uh, have you heard that before? Yes, I've heard that before. That people who are short are difficult to deal with. And then you meet a brother in church who is short, you just make your conclusions about them. Right? What other stereotypes do we have? Yes, tamaras. If somebody stammers, they are very dangerous people. You know that? Have you, that when somebody starts stammering, he's, you, I mean, somebody you don't want to deal with, you don't want to deal with tamaras, right? Because they are, they are impatient. They are guys who just are in a hurry to get things out, so you don't want to deal with them. So in other words, immediately you come across a stammerer in church, guess what happens? You give him a step. And you don't want to deal with him. Any other stereotype? One more stereotype? One more one more stereotype that we deal with everywhere. We deal, we deal with stereotypes in terms of our relationships. Anybody can give me a, a, a kind of stereotype. All right, people don't want to get in trouble, right? Only. Women are hard to get along. Yeah, okay, women are hard to get. If you want trouble, just put women everywhere. Am I correct? But those are stereotypes. Those are not the same. Because every woman is not the same, right? Every stammerer is not the same. Every short person is not the same. God has created us all differently. And before you quit on anybody, patience tells you that you need to try. Try before you quit. So what am I saying in all of this? I'm saying that love is what? Patience. If you are patient, you will try. If you are patient, you will Before you speak. And if you are patient, you will what? What's, what's the other one? If you, yeah, if you are patient, you will try. Or you will understand before you judge. Alright? Number three, what I want you to understand. Number three, Paul tells us. The next one, yeah. He said, love is patient and love is kind. Love is kind. When we talk about kindness, right? Uh, uh, sometimes we... we we, we try to misjudge kindness. Let me, let me give you, let me give you, uh, let me say this about these two things, patience and love that Paul said here. You see, patience is the passive aspect of love, right? In other words, it involves how you think, what you think about people. Uh, it involves what you feel about people. Right? So what you think and what you feel about people. That's what patience is, really. Alright? But Kindness is the active part of love, right? There's a passive and an active part of love. And kindness is that active part. And what is kindness? Simple. Another word for kindness is compassion. All right? And what is compassion from scriptures? Compassion from scriptures means that you have your hurt, your hearts, yearning to do good every time. 
you are looking around to do good for people. The works of righteousness, right, don't bring about salvation. No, they don't. But the works of righteousness are expected for us to promote love. No wonder every time they come to you, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy or have compassion on me. Or the Bible tells us that the heart of Jesus Christ, he had compassion on these people. He just go and meet his, his disciples and he'll tell them, he said, I have compassion for these people for they have not eaten for three days. His heart was looking to do good. His heart was yearning for good. That is what kindness is. And in Ephesians 2.20, the Bible clearly tells us, it says that where his workmanship, were what? Created for good works. It is the good works that helps to promote the love of God. That's what it's talking about. In, um, uh, in Titus, it said we should be ready and willing to do what? To do good. In Philippians 2.4, it says we should be ready or we should mind other people's business, not going about our business alone. In another place in scripture, it says we should bear one another's burden. So, love is a more excellent way. Love is patient. Love is, uh, 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 love is kind. All right? Then, the fourth one I want you to see, number four. Paul said it. He said, love. In other words, I'm just paraphrasing what Paul says. He says, love is fail-proof. Uh, let's read. Go, go down 1 Corinthians. Look at verse 8. Verse 8. After he has said everything, you know, he talked about what love is, what love is not, and tells us, uh, it, and tells us uh, what love does. But look at verse 8. It says, love never fails. In other words, love is fail-proof. When I was looking at uh, uh, the, the, the Greek translation and how it is translated, I believe a better word to use for love never fails means that love never goes out of fashion. Love does not go out of fashion. Right? There are some things that I won 30 years ago. If you wear them today, people will laugh at you. Or people will run away. Because sometimes those things look hideous, right? Am I correct? Why? Because Everything in the world goes out of fashion. They come in fashion, they go, they, go out in fa they go out of fashion. They are in fashion today, they are out of fashion tomorrow. There's nothing that is consistent. The only thing that is consistent is the love of God. You know why? Because God is love. That's God. That's his nature. That's his person. That's his character. He is love. And if God does not go out of fashion, love does not go out of fashion. 
And if you are a lover, you love the word of God, you love the people of God, you do the things of love, guess what happens? You also don't go out of fashion. You will always be relevant. Always be relevant. One thing that bothers me a lot is I normally have this thought. I think this thought a lot of times. I think to myself a lot of times. If Wokfan leaves this place today, if Wokfan, if we leave, if we move, and we move away from this area, will the people around us miss us? Have you ever asked yourself that question? I've asked myself, I've asked myself the question many times. And I want you to ask yourself that question. If you leave your job today, will they miss you? I've also asked myself, if I die today, will I be missed? Have I shown enough love? Have I shown enough kindness? Enough patience? Have I walked in a love you know, excellence in terms of the things of God for me to be missed. In other words, if I die this particular moment, will I go out of fashion? Love never fails. It does not go out of fashion. Because love is consistent. And if you walk in love, guess what happens? You remain relevant. You remain consistent. Don't go out of fashion. Because there's something about God that's oozing out from you. Love never fails. It is fail-proof. Use it rightly. What he said in verse, uh, I think it's verse 13. He said, These three things remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest is love. The greatest is love. Are you walking in love enough? For you to be missed. Because what love does is, you know, it adds. Love never subtracts. It adds to people. It adds to the things of God. It increases the things of God. And anywhere there's increase, there's bound to be relevance. And I want to tell you, if we're going to remain relevant to ourselves... And be consistent in sharpening one another, in improving one another. We have to work in the love of God. We have to love in love. We have to work in the love of God. And the last one is what I quoted, verse thirteen. Number five. Paul tells us, said, "Love is the greatest." Why is love the greatest? 
So Paul, you mean that, you know, even if I'm walking in faith, because it's clear, if I'm walking in faith, love is greater. Yes, because Paul goes on to explain somewhere else. He says, faith works by love. If I walk in hope, you mean love is greater than hope? Yes, that's what Paul is saying. In other words, if you read the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, all these other things just explain love. He said the fruit of the Spirit is what? It's love. It's love. Then he starts mentioning the other things. In other words, every other human virtue or character are what? Are just a part. They, they, they're just a part of love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. In other words, what God produces, the fruit that God produces is love. Every other thing is just an explanation or a derivative. Let me put it that way. Every other thing is a derivative of love. So the greatest human virtue that you can ever have is to have the love of God flowing through you. Because if you have the love of God, you are going to have all this other human virtue working in you, living in you. And here's the good news. Here's the good news. The Bible tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. What does that mean? Same thing what Paul said in Romans, that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. In other words, we have the love of God present in our hearts. All we need to do is practice. Practice the love of God. Make the love of God a lifestyle. In other words, all God is asking you, be patient, be kind. Let's be kind to one another. Let's respect one another. Let's look for the good in one another. Not the bad. Don't be too quick to make judgments. Before you make judgments, understand what is going through. Not sounding arrogant. You know, I, 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 I'm not sounding arrogant. I, just, I, I don't want to be like I'm arrogant. One of, the, one of the major problems that my wife and I have, you know, when it comes to, you know, you know, disagreements, is that she believes I give everybody an excuse. I find an excuse where there's none for people. But the truth about it is, I just want to understand before I make judgments. Because there are some times, you know, I, you know I, I just feel dumb. When you make judgments before you understand. Yeah, that happened to me some years ago, many years ago. And I'll wrap up, I'll wrap, I'll wrap that up with this. In our church at the time, there was this lady who was, you know, very good. She was, she was... She was a great lady. She was a giver. She was present. She was a great businesswoman. She was doing everything right. And she got a group of people together who were interested in business. Like, you know, she was mentoring them. And later on, she started doing it practically where they would all bring their money. They would go and do some business, do some transaction. They gave it to her. They would do some kind of transactions. And she would come back and give them all the profit. Give them, you know, share the profit. And they were making money. They were making good money. She was very, very good. All right? And one time she collected people's money. And when she collected people's money, she disappeared for two months. A 
And because of the environment where we are, we believe everybody is a cheat, right? Everybody is 419, what we call 419. Some people call 419, right? That means people who, you know, they cheat you from your money. They, you know, the hard money you have worked for, they cheat you out of that, all right? And we just made that snap judgment like that, that she must be one of them. She, all the prophets she was giving us in the beginning, she, it was just to entice us, right? Just to entice us and just entrap us. The Bible says no man falls into temptation except he be drawn of his own lust. So she was, we were thinking that he, she was drawing our lust, right? She was pulling us by our lust. And immediately she got the lust out. Bam, she struck and she left. And for two months we didn't see her. And everybody went, you know, did everything, called the police. Did, you know, they called the police. They called this. This was our sister. She had been good to us. Call the police. Some people even went to the extent of seizing her properties. We'll keep some of these things until we see her. Maybe if we keep this, the next time she will have to show up because these things are important to us, to her. Two months, she just came back boldly. She was not like a 419. Came back boldly. Thinking she was going to receive the right hand of fellowship. Everybody stepped back. And when we interrogated her, we found out she had been sick almost to death. By the time she came back, the police were looking for her. Right? They were looking for her. She couldn't find some of her properties because the Christian brothers have taken all that belonged to her. Guess what? We did not do our due diligence. Find out what was really wrong before we made our judgments. Just fell for the stereotypes that was already going on. And that is one pain of my heart because it's been many years now. That is one of the people that I really want to see, but I have not been able to access her. Whatever happened to her, I don't know. But I know she was disappointed. She was really, really wounded. She was disappointed. You guys are pastors? You guys? You are pastors? We didn't do our due diligence. And we hurt that lady and she left. And I never heard anything about her again. That is one of the pains, the painful aspects of life. What am I saying? Am I saying we're not going to make mistakes? That's not what I'm saying. All right? Like somebody once said, he said it is God wants us to do what? To practice. God wants practice from us, not perfect, so to say. In other words, God doesn't want us to, uh, you know, you, know uh, you have to arrive immediately uh, uh, because this guy is walking in love. He's not going to offend me. No, he's going to offend you sometimes, all right? We're all still human beings. We're still also growing in the grace of God, right? But we're all just trying to do what is right, to still be patient, to still be, uh, to still be patient, to still do kind things, all right? They will still, you know, uh, 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 offend you. But what I'm saying is that we have to be ready to Receive the love of God from others and give the love of God. And in conclusion, many of us don't 
know how to receive the love of God from other people. Because we have a particular, uh, uh, we have a particular way of viewing love in our heads. We have, we have a particular way of viewing love in our heads. Right? We have a stereotypical way of viewing love. And sometimes, love will not come the way you think they are going to come. Right? They come uh, in, a, in a way that you don't expect. All right? There's somebody here that I'm close with. I'm not going to call her name. I'm just looking at her now, but I'm not going to call her name. I mean, we're very, very close. Very, very close. She's my friend. Her husband is my friend. Very, very close. Her husband is my very good friend. I'm looking at her, but she won't know. And we've always had a good time. We've always had a good time. Sister Patrice, am I saying, am I correct? I'm not saying that it's you. I'm just saying, am I correct, right? We've always had good times, right? Am I correct? <laughs> but one day she called me and, you know, told me her heart. It was hard. But I decided to listen to her. Because I know that her heart was full of love for me. She couldn't have done all that she's been for me before and not like me to be saying what she was saying. It was tough, tough love. And she said it to me. And what did I say, Sister Patrice? I said, I'm so glad you said this to me. If not, I will, know, I will not know that you really love me. And she told me, she says, because I love you, that's why I said this to you. If not, I'll just be looking at you. Sister Patrice, our love is just working stronger since then. Am I correct? Amen. <laughs> Great love. I mean, she, gave, she really gave it to me that day. But I was happy she gave it to me. Because I knew her intentions. In other words, I practiced those things I'm saying. I tried to listen before I defended myself. I did not make judgments. I tried to understand what she was saying before I made my judgments. And immediately she said it, said everything. It just became clear because I saw things from a perspective that I would never have seen from my own myopic perspective. And I asked her to forgive me. And we worked things out. And it is, you know, it's on, I mean, I mean for me, I don't know about you, but for the, the, the love of God I have for you is on steroids right now. <laughs> but I'm just saying that to just give you a perspective. Another perspective of what love is. Love is patience. Love is kind. Try to look at things from other people's perspective. And you will understand and be able to express the love of God. God bless you.